today is Pentecost Sunday. And as the pastor of this house, I don't want Legacy Church to be just another church in Rome, Georgia. Can I get an amen? I don't want us just to be another church on a corner, but I want us to be a force to be reckoned with. Not competition with other churches, but spiritually, I want us to be a force to be reckoned with. I want every time Satan hears Legacy Church, I want him to sit back and say, should I really go through with this? Because I don't know if I'm going to make it. I want us to be a force to be reckoned I don't just want us to be just another nonprofit, but I want us to be an organization of believers with power. Amen? And I know that none of that is possible without the Holy Spirit, and that's what I'm talking about today, Acts chapter 19, verse 1. It says, and it happened when Apollos and, uh, was at Corinth, and Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. Say Ephesus. That's important today. And finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we've not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, and to what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. Verse 5, and when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. There were about 12 men listening to this. And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew his disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jew exorcists took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you by the, by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of seven, a Jewish chief priest who did so also. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? Hmm. Then the man who, in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. This became known both to all the Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. And fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. 
And many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they continued up the and they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily, and they prevailed. The Spirit was moving, and the church was growing. The Spirit was moving, and the church was on the go. A power was being released that they had never seen. I don't know about you, but I want that same power today. Anybody agree with me this morning? Come on, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you today for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, I pray that right now anything that's fighting for our attention, anything that is entertaining our thoughts other than you, Lord, right now we just lay those things down and we fix our eyes on you. We tune in our ears to your voice. <clears throat> Lord, we just are ready to receive today. We are hungry for you. We are hungry for more of you today. So right now, Lord, speak to us. Speak, Lord, for your servants. They are listening today. And I pray that as they listen, that, they, that this word comes into their spirit and it becomes like fire in our bones this morning. And the church said amen. And the church said amen. Amen and amen. Get your pens out. Get your paper out. Look at your neighbor. Say, it's Pentecost Sunday. Look at your other neighbor and say, act like it. Say, help him preach. Help him preach. We are in a world that is full of people that are hungry for power. Everywhere you look, people are hungry for power, titles, uh, climbing the ladder in their fields. And often those people come across as being somewhat greedy because so often people who are power hungry, they will do whatever they have to do to acquire the power that they are after. Some will walk over you. Some will walk around you just to get to that source of power that they are after. But today, we're not talking about a people that are hungry for earthly power such as this. But this morning, we are talking about a people that are hungry for a power that is supernatural. Amen? A power that comes from heaven. A power that is not an earthly power, yet things on the earth must obey it. And a church that is filled with this power, they possess these characteristics that we're talking about this morning. A church with this power is a church on the move. It is not stagnant. It is not sedentary. It is, it is not a passive church. It's not a fearful church. Amen? But spiritually speaking, it is somewhat of a dangerous church. A church that is full of the Holy Spirit can be spiritually dangerous because we've not been filled with the Spirit for a status. We've not been filled with this Holy Spirit so we can say that we are better or more lofty than those down the road, but we've been filled with the Spirit so that we can have and operate in this power from on high and that makes us spiritually Dangerous. This text that we read today 
revolves around the one and only, the legendary, the Apostle Paul. And so much in just in this one story here reveals his character, reveals who he is in this passage. When you read this passage, uh, it's easy to catch a glimpse of the awakening and the revival that he is helping steward across the city of Ephesus. Ephesus, it's important to note this about, uh, about this city because it has great, uh, whenever you hear this story, it really emphasizes just how great this day really was. Because here, Ephesus, it was a port city. It was a popular city. It was one of the greatest cities of its day. It was known for its culture. It was known for the philosophy that filled the streets. It was an artsy town. It, was, it, it, it had several uh, educational institutions uh, around that city that, uh, that so many people would flock to. And all, after all of these things, it was also known for its immorality. It was a place where people would go to party. Party. I can't, whenever I was reading and I'm thinking about this city, uh, sorry if this is your town, but I think of Savannah. I think of a place that's a port. And all of these people, if you've ever been on the, uh, the walk, I don't even know what they call it. It's too hot for me to go back. But uh, it feels like the armpit of hell down there. No thanks. Uh, whew, it's rough. River Street. So creative. It was, it was a street on the river. And there's these large boats coming through and everybody goes there at night and there's bars and there's party and there's people just having good time. There's people up to no good. Whenever I was reading about it, that, I, I, I kind of caught that vibe with the cobblestone and all of those things. I kind of catch that vibe because it was, it, it, was, it was a place where people would go to party. It was, it was culture, but it was also known for its immorality. It was a place uh, of unrighteous behavior. And it's important to note that there was actually a well-known temple that was built there. It was a shrine to a goddess named Diana. Uh, she was the goddess of this time of nature and fertility. She was the goddess of sexuality. And due to her nature, there were some crazy things, some crazy acts that occurred around this shrine in the city uh, that, that, that if I were to talk about openly, some of you may be embarrassed by because some of them were so disgusting. Sexual acts uh, around and in the shrine in the city. Men and women were coming to this place to find mates. I mean, it was like the e-harmony of its day. It was people were going and they were swiping and I don't want you, I don't want you. You look good. Come here, babe. And all of this stuff. Men and women of the same sex started coming here and finding mates of the same sex. It was a place of sexual confusion as people were acting outside of the realms in which they were created. They were living in immorality. The question is, does this sound familiar? <laughs> as we stand on the brink of Pride Month, I'm going to preach this morning. 
As you cannot walk into stores without seeing merchandise and agendas trying to be sold to a generation, a young generation. As in our own very little city in the Bible Belt, Rome, Georgia, uh, as we will hold parades and festivals in a very few short weeks that will go up and down the heart of our city and cities all across our nation will take on the characteristics of the temple of Diana and the city of Ephesus. People were coming into this city because they knew of its immorality. And anytime a city opens its doors to immorality, people will come. (laughs) Commissioners, Mayors, anytime you open the door to immorality, people flock. (laughs) And they came here because they knew not only did they want to partake of the culture there, but they came because they knew that they could act any way they desired. Because a culture of acceptance had been created. This is going to get deep this morning. I can feel it. A culture of acceptance had been created. And they knew I can go there and I can behave any way I want to. Ephesus, when you look at the name of the city, it means permitted. It was a place where anything was permitted. It was a safe zone. No judgment here. However you feel, you can be that. YOLO. Y'all crazy. Whatever you want to do, you can do it here. Whatever you want to be. You can be it here. However you want to behave, it's okay here because it's Ephesus. It's permitted. But right in the middle of the permitted chaos, there was contrast. Because right in the middle of this immorality, a power was rising up called the church. A movement was being birthed called the church. And in the middle of spiritual slumber, a great awakening was happening happening and shifting the culture because a man was coming into a town that most people had never seen and he had a power like they never heard about. A man was coming into town that had the power to bind demons. He had so much power. It was a different kind of power than that of the Ephesians that he could could speak and the lost people would be found again. This man was full of the Holy Spirit and God was sending him to be the contrast that we talked about last week, to be the light, to be revival. And I want to declare over Legacy Church this morning, I believe that God is raising up some mighty men and women of God to be the contrast in this hour. I believe that God is raising up a mighty army of men and women to be the light for the cubicle next to you. I believe that in the middle of this Diana's culture, God is filling some men and women with the Holy Ghost to be revival on their job, to be revival at Walmart and Walgreens. And when they speak, the lost shall be found. 
I like verse 1. Some of you may have looked at it, but I read it. I was like, mm, that's good. Because it said the first three words are so powerful. And it happened. In a place where it wasn't supposed to happen. And it happened. Against all odds. And it happened anyway. When it should not have been able to happen, it happened. When the environment was not just right, it happened. When it seemed impossible, it happened anyway. Awakening happens in Ephesus. And, and, and if it happened in Ephesus, how many of you believe it can happen right here in Rome and America? When you look at the word happen, it means to occur or come about at a particular or precise moment. It happened at the precise moment right when God needed a door to open for the church. When a spirit-filled people came into the city, it occurred right at the right time because I'm crazy enough to believe that it's just the right time for something to happen again. I said I'm crazy enough to believe with the chaos of life that God is looking and it's just the right time for another outpouring of his spirit. It occurred at just the right time. You say, but pastor, there's, there's so much sin in the earth. There's so much rebellion. There's so much Immorality. There's so many crazy things happening around us, Pastor. There's so much unrest. There's political tension. There's racial division. Pastor, how can there's there's all these unrighteous activities in our nation? There's there's this whole thing with Budweiser, and then there's this whole thing with Target. How can something good come out of this? There's just so much. Sin, and I say, Yes, I think it's the perfect timing for something to happen. What about the sin? Let me tell you, I'm not worried because the Bible says that where sin does abound, grace does abound much more. It abounds so much more. And it happened. There's some breakthroughs that need to happen and I believe they're going to happen. There's some children that need to come home and I believe it's going to happen. There's awakening that needs to happen in America and I'm believing it's going to happen. There's some unity that needs to happen in the church and I'm declaring it's going to happen. There's a generation that needs to not only feel the Holy Spirit but be filled in the Holy Spirit and I declare it's going to happen because if God can do it in Ephesus, I believe he can do it at Legacy Church right in the middle of Rome, Georgia. Paul is sitting here with some disciples. And in verse 2, I like Paul because he just goes right in. He says, he didn't beat around the bush. He just looks at them. says, have you received the Holy Spirit since you were baptized, since you believed? He just went right in. I believe that Paul, as he's with this group of men, I believe he comes to the realization that there's something that's missing here. He realized there's a level of power. There's a level of gifts that these people are not experiencing and operating in. Have you ever been around a people 
that when you got around them, you could just tell they were full of the Holy Spirit. You ever been around some people, you could just tell they were full of something else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some of you are like. The disciples responded to him, received him. We didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. These are disciples. We haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit. Listen, it is a sad day when disciples, when those that claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, it is a sad day when those that are in the modern day church, they come and they sit in a church service and they don't even know that there is a Holy Spirit. But we are a people in a church. We know about the Holy Spirit and we want him. They said, they said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And Paul looked at them and he asked, well, what were you baptized into? And they responded, well, you know, I was baptized under John's baptism. And Paul clarified and he said, that's great because John's baptism is you were baptized into repentance which is necessary. Amen? Amen? You need it. And he tells them that's a good thing because you are also confessing that you are believing in the one to come after John. But if you look at the word baptism, it means to be immersed. We don't sprinkle people. We don't sprinkle babies. We dedicate them. But whenever someone begins to confess the Lord as their life. We baptize them. They go completely under. Baptism means immersed in. Paul was asking, what are you immersed in? What are you head over heels in? What is up around your neck today? What are you consumed with? And we are at a time when we need to ask the church again, what are you immersed in? What are you really baptized in, church? What are you head over heels in? What is consuming your time? Where are you getting your philosophy for life? Who is influencing your theology? What is determining your behavior? Because in today's culture, much of the church is immersed in compromise. Whew. I'm not talking about the world this morning. <laughs> I'm talking about the church today. Pentecost is the day that the church was born. And now we, the church, a lot of the church, we are immersed in compromise. I'm, I'm talking about the church thing. I'm talking about those people that are supposed to know the laws and decrees of his word. And so many in the church, we are immersed in compromise. So many have a non-biblical worldview. So many in the church do not believe that the Bible is the total truth. And now we are immersed in a culture of acceptance and relevance. And now, we, the modern day church, we've got to ask the brothers and the sisters of the faith, 
what are you immersed in? Because I don't know about you. I may be in this world, but I don't want to be of this world. I don't know about you. I want to impact the world more than the world is impacting me. I want to be immersed in his goodness, anybody. I want to be immersed in his joy and his peace. I want to be immersed in the Holy Ghost. Paul is somewhat looking at his disciples and he's, and he's stating, it's great that you repented. And we all need to repent because it's his goodness that leads us to repentance. But, but he was saying, it's one thing to repent, but don't stop because God has got more for you. It's great that you believe and that you are saved, but don't stop there because there is more for you. And some don't like this statement, but it's true. Some don't like this statement because this will offend a lot of people. But the first church was a spirit-filled church. I felt Rome coming at me. There's no denying it. The first church was a Pentecostal church. It wasn't defined by denomination. It was just defined by the Spirit. It was a Holy Ghost filled, tongue talking, prophesying, laying hands on the sick and watching them recover kind of church. The kind of church that would scare half the people in Rome, Georgia. The kind of church... That would scare half religious leaders this morning if it happened in their church right now. And God's plan is for the last church to be like the first church. God's plan is for us today to be like the first church. And God is looking for a people. He's looking for a remnant to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. Where's that church at this morning? Where is the church that's tired of being immersed in the drama of this world, but is ready to be filled and consumed, immersed in the Holy Spirit? The word said that Paul laid hands on them. He didn't send them to seminary. He didn't send them to another conference. He didn't make them read a book. He said he laid hands on them and they began to speak in other tongues and they prophesied. Mm. See, God is looking for a people that want it. They just don't want to talk about it. But they want to see it. Paul is talking to this group. And in verse 7, it mentions, this is very interesting to me, that it mentions specifically there were about 12 people in this group. And I was looking at this number, and I find it very interesting, according to this scripture, that the number here was mentioned. And as I was looking at it, uh, I discovered that in the Hebrew way of worship, most resources will tell you that it was their law that they had to have 10 to 12 people present to even get into the sanctuary. They had to have 10 to 12 people to have somewhat we, what we call a quorum, just, just in order for them to gather in the synagogue. In order for them to have church, they had to have 10 or 12 people. If they had any less, they could not gather. If somebody called out and said, sorry, 
married. I can't be an usher today. Guess what? They would cancel the church because they did not have enough people. If they had any less, they would have to cancel the activities because they could not get together and worship. In other words, they barely had enough to make it. They were barely making it as a church. They were just getting by. And the question is, how many churches in our city, in our state, in our nation are just getting by? How many churches and Christians have become okay with just barely getting by? They have no influence in their community. They're, they can barely stay alive. No lives are being transformed. No families are coming to the cross. They're just holding on. But in an instant, the Holy Spirit came to that gathering and everything changed. They went from a struggling church to a powerful church. They went to barely making it to we're out here making a name. They went from barely being known to everybody around town talking about this power that they were operating in. I don't know about you, but I want to declare it over this house this morning. We will not be a house of survival. We will be a house of revival. We will not just exist, but we will live an abundant kind of life. We will thrive all because we will allow the Holy Spirit to move. We keep reading and we watch. They're taking aprons, cutting up cloth, letting Paul pray over it. We got prayer cloths here. It's the same principle. It's like my church didn't do that. First church did it. That was for free. Paul would pray over it, put oil on it, and now we've traded the prayer cloth. Now we want, we want a cloth that brother so-and-so touched. We want to run to the conference and touch the pastor. We want to run to the apostle. Can I have your washcloth that you wipe the sweat off your brow with? Can you sign my book? Can you speak a word over me? And we have traded the prayer life over seeking man. And we watch as Paul, they cut up the aprons and they cut up cloth. And the sick were coming in contact. They were sending them out with the oil and the prayer. And the sick, they would come in contact with the cloth. And they were being healed. And, and, and as the people witnessed these signs and wonders, the faith begins to grow. And people begin to share their testimony. Because in Revelation 19.10, it says, The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And they did not even realize that as they were walking around saying, look what the Lord has done. They were prophesying saying, if he did it for me, he can do it for you. If he healed my cancer, he can heal your cancer. If he can bring my addict to the cross, he can bring your addict to the cross. They did not even, as people were sharing what was happening, it was igniting this passion inside of them of hope. And in verse 13, it said, some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists. This just sounds good. took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. And this is hilarious, but how many of us do it today? <laughs> they were looking and they were saying, we exorcise you 
by the name of this Jesus whom Paul preaches. Come out. Seven sons of Seva, they get around them and said, sounds good. We exorcise you in the name of that Jesus Paul's preaching. Come out. The brother says, do it again. We exorcise you. Say a little deeper. In the name. <laughs> Add a little more breath to it. Of. That Jesus, uh, that Paul preaches, uh, come out. <laughs> Say it again. And they watched Paul do these same works. And now they were wanting the same results without the work. They were wanting the same anointing without the pressing. They were wanting the same fire without the prayer. They had watched and now they're wanting, come out in the name of that Jesus that that guy is preaching. They were wanting the fruit but didn't have the root to produce it. Lord, I want the fire, but I don't want to gather the wood. I want the gifts, but I don't want to prune my flesh to maintain it. I want to pray like that, but I only want to pray on Sunday morning between 9 and 10. I want to lead a small group, but I can't even lead myself in daily reading the word. Preach, Chase, preach it. I want all of these things in the name of that Jesus that Paul preaches about. And all of a sudden, this is why you got to be careful with demonic people. Because demonic, demonic people are still walking the earth today. This is not a thing of biblical times. There are, you encounter demons every single day. I don't mean to scare you. Your church may have never talked about demons, but they are real. And the word says that the spirit that was in that man jumped on them, beat them up, ripped off their clothes, and sent them running down the street naked and afraid. You didn't have to have cable for that show. <laughs> you just had to be in the city of Ephesus around all these immoral people. And here they come, naked and afraid. <laughs> and all of a sudden, that wild demonic man speaks up and says, Paul, I know. Hmm. Jesus, I know. Who are you? 
I've never heard your name. And the word says that that spirit jumped on them. These imposters, these people who were using the, the God of Paul's name, he they were sent out naked and humiliated. And the, and the story behind this verse is, is that we can't do what Paul did unless we have what Paul had. We cannot do what Paul did unless we have what Paul had. We can't have supernatural results without a power from on high. We can't, we can't have a Paul kind of power living like the sons of seven. And I don't know about you, but I want a power from on high. I want demons to know my name. The demon said, I've heard of Jesus, and I've heard of Paul. I've never heard of you. <laughs> Listen, they did not know him because they had never heard him mentioned. Because demons only talk about those they're intimidated by. <laughs> Who am I preaching? <laughs> Those seven sons were never brought up in the morning demon huddle. Come on, boys. Who we got today? <laughs> they had never heard their names because they had nothing that intimidated the demonic. But every time a demon meets me in a dark alley of my life, I don't know about you, but I want that demon's knees to start knocking. I don't know about you, but every time a demon comes at me when I might be at the lowest point of my life, I want them to get scared. Every time a demon tries to walk through the door of Legacy Church, I don't know about you, but I want them to get so scared, not because of my name, but because of the power that is inside of me. Too many people want the name of Jesus, but reject the power of the Holy Spirit. Whew. I'm getting emails tomorrow. Jesus, Jesus. Memorial Day. Save them to Tuesday. God. <laughs> I want the name of Jesus. But that power is not operating in my church. <laughs> I want people to get saved. <laughs> but I don't want them to be filled. I want them to be baptized into repentance. But I don't want them to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. Because so often, we don't want that because we can't control it. Ooh. Sometimes we don't want it because it will hurt our reputation. Because people may feel a little uneasy around me. They may feel a little uneasy coming to my church. If they say, are you a spirit-filled church? No, I'm not talking about new songs. I'm not talking about lights. I'm not about spirit-filled. It may, it, may, it may stunt our growth because it might just make me stick out in Rome, Georgia. I don't know about you. 
I'm tired of blending in. I don't know about you. We are the remnant and the remnant wasn't designed to look like everybody else. The story ends. People are hearing. Man, help me up. They're hearing about this. Those that wanted the name but not the power. Those that wanted to be baptized in the name of John but not be filled with the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, these leaders, these people start confessing their evil deeds. And they start bringing their objects of witchcraft and magic. And all of these things that they had been worshiping, they start bringing it. They were being exposed. And I was reading this this week. And I believe that is the season that we are stepping into. (laughs) Exposure. Those that have the name, but not the power. Mm. And I believe that as we are in the last days, Contrast is coming. There's an exposing that is coming. It is coming to those that simply want the name but don't want to operate in the power. (laughs) They want a free, I'm saved, get out of jail card, but don't want to help anybody else get free. They want to be free. But they can't lead anybody else to freedom. Mm. And exposing is coming. Those that want fire only at the cost of somebody else's sacrifice. They want their name to be on the church roll for status, yet will not be the church even when they're asked. I am preaching this morning, and I'm just getting started. Hang on. Those that want to speak in tongues on Sunday and gossip on Monday. You may be bilingual, but you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) That's what I thought. There's an exposing that is coming, an exposure that is coming to the church. Those that claim to have spiritual gifts and want to operate, but you can only serve on a stage with a microphone and lights. Those in the church that love to fight in the flesh but cannot fight in the spirit. There's an exposure that is coming and it's called the great falling away. Round one, COVID. Round two, culture. Those that will sell their soul to culture. Look, you can shop wherever you want to. I don't care if I'm gay or straight. I don't want my kid walking around with a t-shirt on talking about what sex they prefer if they are 10 years old. Why? If, you're, if I'm gay or straight, I don't want my 10-year-old child to be walking around advertising themselves of what they want. 
that's what I'm mad about. Because it is specifically geared toward a generation that's already confused. Bud Light, Budweiser, are they the same thing? I don't even know. Isn't it amazing that all these people out there drinking beer got mad? It shows me that there's still hope for America. Because I guarantee you, the people drinking those beers, you, maybe you, I ain't, I ain't casting a stone. I don't think you should be doing it, but that's between you and the Lord. It shows me, because more than likely those out there drinking it, they're probably, they're probably not the ones out there saying, I'm born again, I'm, I'm living by the word, come, come Lord now. And even they have a conscience. This says something's not right here. Is this adding up to anybody? I mean, even the lost people are saying, this is crazy. It's culture. And now we, the church, we got to juggle. If I say, if I say it's bad, they're not going to come anymore. If I say it's bad, somebody's going to watch this, which you're probably doing. They're going to, they're going to cut a little clip out and then I'm going to be a man full of hate. falling away. Those that will sell their soul to culture. Those that will not stand for biblical principles out of fear that somebody may leave your church. Those that will not call sin a sin. Those that want to be more culturally relevant than biblically accurate. Exposing. Exposing. I want the name of Jesus, but I, that power operating in here, no. I'll pray in my prayer closet in, 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 in the spirit, but I ain't, no, no, I don't, I don't want my church doing it. <laughs> Exposure is coming because the days are over when you can just have his name and not operate in his power. I said the days are over. Exposure is coming. And the only way we're going to make it in these last days is to not only be baptized in repentance, but to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and in fire. I said the only way we're going to make it, church, is to not only be baptized in repentance, but be baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. Come on, somebody, will you stand with me this morning? Come on, sing it out this morning. Come on, sing a song out to the Lord this morning. Come on, sing a song this morning. Sing a song this morning. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, sing, 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 sing. Hey. Yes, Lord. Faith in the room. What the Lord can do. Oh, what He can do this morning. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. He's gonna move. Sing, sing, sing. 
Anybody want to be immersed this morning? I want to be immersed this morning. I don't just want to claim the name and not have the power to back up the name. I don't just want to be baptized in repentance. I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want to be immersed in it. I don't just want to be immersed in culture. So caught up with everything happening. I want to be filled with His Spirit. Anybody with me today? Come on this morning.